What's going on? I'm Andrea Collins. This is Mindful Mostly. Yep, this is a lifestyle and wellness show for those of us who are mindful most of the time. It's all about authenticity here, okay? You could be mindful about whatever's important to you, whether it's the latest trends in wellness, lifestyle, diet, fashion, your living space, your brain. We get into it and you leave inspired every single week. So question for you, are you a a little overwhelmed and maybe lost on how you should eat? I know, there's so many different uh, options. What is right, what is wrong, just coming at you every day. Low carb, high fat, low fat, high protein, keto, vegan, all meat. (laughs) Oh man, on this week's show, this is why We have Rachel Melinda here. She is a holistic nutritionist and an emotional eating coach and an all-around awesome woman. She's going to tell us how to eat in a way that's actually just right for you. People are really confused because there's a lot of, so there's a lot of diets and there's a lot of nutrition information out there. It's widely available now and people soak it all up and then they're kind of like, what do I even believe? Yeah, let's get into it. Did you see Giselle on Good Morning America? She's so beautiful, even when she's not trying to be. God, what's that like? She opened up about her history with panic attacks. And when she reached rock bottom, listen. The reason why I wanted to share this story that to me are very, very private and very, you know, puts me in a very vulnerable position in a way. is because I know that a lot of people are, you know, is with the hopes that people don't feel alone, that life was, it was like I was trapped and I, and I couldn't breathe and even outside of my own balcony. From that moment on, I realized that my life needed to change. Someone told me a quote that I thought it was fantastic one time. The mind is an instrument. Don't let it play you. She's got a book out. It's called Lessons, My Path to a Meaningful Life. You can actually watch that whole interview. I'm going to put it in the show notes of this podcast. It's about nine minutes long. Hey, shout out to you guys for loving the High Vibe Five. This is a five minute magnetism and goal setting visualization session I have created if you want to get your hands on it. Leave a review for the Mindful Mostly podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot and email it to me at Andrea at mindfulmostly.com and I will send you the High Vibe Five right back. Hey, don't forget, after our chat with Rachel Melinda, I got a real nice soul nugget for you, okay? And it's fall, right? It's one of the most beautiful times to be outside. I read the most ickiest headline the other day. It said the average North American spends more than 90% of their life indoors. Ugh. Let's not be that guy. All right, let's chat about how you're going to get a diet to work for you. Uh, on the line, my kombucha expert friend, my SCOBY dealer, <laughs> uh, holistic nutritionist and emotional eating coach, Rachel Melinda. Hey, girl. Oh, so is, happy to be back. I know. It's been, gosh, like over six months, right? 
Actually, I feel like it was more recent. That's why it's very flattered that I got an invite back pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on when this one airs. (laughs) Well, the good news is that I'm always confused and have guilt about the food I'm eating. So you're always the right person to call. Plus, um, Rachel also, so we met because she hosts a kombucha making class at a brewery that I went to. And then we were forever friends after that. We were. How's that going? Are you still doing that? It's good. So actually, I was doing them in person. The one you attended was at Leftfield Brewery in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been getting a lot of, well, I was getting a lot of requests to bring it online. And so I recently launched an online kombucha course through Joyous Health. So now, like anywhere in the world, you can learn how to make kombucha from scratch. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. You know, I've done probably two or three batches, and I have to say, it's like once you get it down and you're not so freaked out with the scoby, it's pretty easy. Mm. What flavors have you done? I did ginger and turmeric, and then the first one I did was plain black tea, and then just, I think I did uh, lemon. Uh, green tea yeah. and, and lemon yeah um i don't want to i don't like to get too crazy with it because then i worry i'm gonna ruin it and then i you know keeping it simple did you name your scoby no should i name your scoby oh damn yeah what's your what's yours called <laughs> i actually don't have a name for it <laughs> <laughs> uh, scoby do oh that's good pretty classic but my, no uh, I, I should really give her a name my friend named her scoby bryant Oh, my gosh. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> um, okay, so what what we're actually here to talk about today. We're here to talk about clever SCOBY names. <laughs> <laughs> um, how we should figure out how to eat for our bodies, because there are so many recommendations, so many ways that are claimed to be the right way. You know, you should be vegan or you shouldn't be. Protein, carbs, like how... How do you make a decision? You listen to your body and you say, smell you later to all of those diets out there. Not that like all ways of eating are bad, but I mean, there's so many diets out there, right? So there's, there's, I guess right now it's trendy is keto, there's paleo, uh, vegan is still very big. And I mean, that, that also comes into more of like moral values, but people are really confused because there's a lot of, so there's a lot of diets and there's a lot of nutrition information out there where, so like it's, it's widely available now and people soak it all up and then they're kind of like what do I even believe like I had someone email me today being like I'm just downright confused because I thought this was bad but now apparently it's good and vice versa and what so like, were what they asking about do? out of curiosity they what were was their thing about um what was it it was something about grass-fed beef because I think like remember I think it was a couple years ago now when red meat got totally victimized yeah and it's like it, it'll it's carcinogenic it'll lead to cancer um, so she was asking about grass fed beef. Uh, was there something else? Maybe it was veganism. I often get questions about lectins. Are you familiar with lectins? Yes. But if the listeners aren't, can you explain okay. what those are? Yeah. So lectins are essentially like their defense mechanisms within plants that kind of prevent pests from eating them. Um, and it's, it's not a bad thing entirely, but a lot of plant foods. So, um, beans and legumes, for example, they have lectins in them. But there's been studies that show that it can actually degrade our, um, our our gut lining and kind of like wear away at it. So, and for someone who has like an autoimmune issue or um, is, that's trying to keep inflammation low, it can kind of do the opposite, right? Mind you, like, so I would say like for someone that has an autoimmune condition, maybe consider it. But also 
it also wouldn't be my first recommendation. There's so many other things that I would look to before that. Um, but it's not for everyone, you know, like the, your average person does not have to worry about keeping lectins out of their diet. So that's why I always suggest like, like speak to a nutritionist, a naturopath, natural healthcare practitioner, find out like what's going on with your body, right? Because we're, we're all so different. We all have different needs and that's what we need to figure out to figure out how we thrive. I mean, one person who thrives off of broccoli might like the other person might feel death off of broccoli, you know, like I'm, so my brother has Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an inflammatory uh, bowel disease and he used to do like uh, raw juice cleanses and uh, sorry, raw food cleanses and like juice and everything, which is pretty much like death for someone with Crohn's. Right. And he'd feel so sick for someone that's in his state that doesn't work for him. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. for someone else that might be awesome. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's like uh, peanut butter. You know, some people love it and just crush the stuff and others have to stay far away from it. I find that I have finally determined that legumes and peanut butter hurt my stomach. It doesn't mean <laughs> I'm going to, you know, like, and it took so damn long for me to figure that out. There was like, Don't you feel so much better now that you know that? Yeah. There was a year when I, like, learned how to make a really good peanut sauce. And mm-hmm. I would, like, make it a vari- variant of that as for, like, stir fries veggie dip <laughs> I'd like basically drink the stuff it was right. so good and then I realized I've been feeling awful for a whole year and once I eliminated I was like oh okay same for those Mary's crackers which are delicious love those hurt my stomach too so I mean but do you think it's because you ate a lot of these foods because that can actually happen that I just ate too much of it well so what's happening like the more you eat these foods the more you're exhausting the enzymes needed to break them down so like I've had clients come to me and who have done like a food sensitivity test and they're like, that's so crazy. Corn is at the top of my list. I eat it every, every day. I'm like, exactly. We need to cut that out, bring in the variety, um, some moderation and, and take a break from it. So you might actually find that now that you have peanuts out, is it just peanuts and Mary's crackers and beans? Okay. So you might find after taking a break from it for maybe say three to six months, you can reincorporate it and you might actually be okay with it. Beans are also kind of tricky. Like there's certain ways that you have to prepare them in order to not fart your face off (laughs) and feel terrible after eating them. But see, there's so many things to consider before just saying like you should be eating this way, right? Yeah. Um, and, And before you tell us how to like we should figure it out for us as individuals, there's one other diet that I wanted to mention where I was just like, oh, this is a whole nother thing. Uh, a guy came out with a book. I think it's called Ketotarian. Ketotarian. Keto-vegetarian? Yeah. So okay. you're because I was I was doing keto a while ago and I was like, how the hell would you do this as a vegetarian? Um, uh, but I guess it's just like a ton of fats and all yeah. veg. Um, Even though I met someone that said they're keto vegan and I'm like, so do you just eat nuts? <laughs> and avocados? Yeah, basically. Huh. I don't know. How did you feel on keto? Great. I, I love how you don't get hungry on keto. And I had lots of energy. Um, yeah. I think it's like really neat scientifically what happens to your body when you do keto. Uh, I had, Yeah, I had lots of energy. I was sleeping well. But then I just found that I was missing things that made me feel healthy that weren't right. keto. And those yeah. were things like putting a little bit of a banana in my green smoothie rather than just um, – like just like little tiny tree or like eating an eating an apple on the go, um, right. 
And the other thing was like a stir fry with just like a little bit of rice or some sweet potato. And so I was missing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, like in those, I mean, yes, like I think in time and place and situation, a keto, a keto diet can be awesome for someone. Right. But I mean, you just explained that, like how restrictive it actually is, like something as delicious and nourishing as an apple is now being victimized. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. And I felt like I was eating more dairy. Uh, yeah. and, and more meats. And I just wasn't like loving that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, now, okay. As we've made obvious here, there's just so many variations. There's so many options. How do we figure out what's the best one for us? So I would say the benefit of having tried a million diets under the sun is that you kind of know which which way of eating feels good for you. So you've recently done keto and you discovered, okay, there are certain things that you liked about it. You liked that you never felt hungry. Well, why didn't you feel hungry? Probably because you were getting a lot of great, healthy, nourishing fat and protein, right? So how can you bring that into your diet now to get those benefits, but be able to have your apple and your rice with your stir fry? I would say start looking at that and just really pay attention to how food makes you feel. So when I'm working with clients one-on-one, like I'll get them to keep a food journal that's not only looking at, um, well, we look at like the emotional connection. So I'll say, okay, what did you eat in a day? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. How did you feel? Usually people are like, I felt cranky or had cravings or I felt good. Um, but we'll also look at like digestion wise. What, what did your poops look like when you ate that day, right? Again, like if you're not breaking down, say, I keep throwing broccoli out there, but if you're not breaking down broccoli, okay, then it's probably not working for you for some reason. So maybe that's not the best food for you. So I'd say like continue to look at that, look at patterns in your diet. Um, Maybe it means doing a food sensitivity test at one point, not a starting point, but I would say for someone that um, is experiencing a lot of digestive upset from certain foods, maybe that's a a place to look at. But so like look at all the diets that you've done and take little pieces of like what's worked for you and really listen to your body. Pay attention to how energized you feel. Do you feel hungry throughout the day? If you are, maybe you're not getting enough of a certain nutrient or just food in general. So energy, um, fullness, um, your poops, what do they look like? How do you just how do you feel overall, right? And how long should you give something a go? Like, I find that uh, a lot of people, including myself, have trouble sticking to something. On Monday, I might say, I'm going to be vegetarian for the entire month of October. And by Friday, I'm eating a cheeseburger. So how hard should we be on ourselves about not following one certain plan? Well, the thing is, like, if you're if you feel like something's hard to follow, then it's not working for you because it's something outside of your natural desires. So if you're not able to have something that you intuitively want, your body said, I wanted an apple for whatever reason. Maybe it was craving the fiber or certain nutrients within it. If you're restricting yourself from having that apple, that's a problem now because now you're denying your body of what it needs. So it's really cool when we start listening to our body and eating intuitively is we get what we need. So, and and sometimes that might be, um, like if you notice, I really like to look at like the menstrual cycle for women and like pay attention to how you feel throughout every week of your menstrual cycle, especially the week leading up to it. Cause a lot of women are hard on themselves during that week. They're like, I've, I've ate the world. I've like smashed a tub of ice cream. I've keep craving chocolate. I'm eating chips, but there's a lot that's going on in our body during that phase where if we simply understood that everything would make a lot of sense. Do people like, have those same natural, like I'm, I'm on the pill. Do I yeah. have, 
Can I follow that same rule even if my cycle is like somewhat synthetic? Uh, to an extent. I wouldn't be the person to speak to that just because I'm not like the master of that kind of stuff. But um, I mean, you're not actually like ovulating, but you might go like you're still going through that menstrual cycle to an extent, right? Right. Pay attention to it like month to month. Maybe you'll see like, oh, I definitely do crave more um, carbohydrates or chocolate leading up to my period or maybe like typically in the first half of your cycle, um, people don't feel as hungry. That's just kind of a thing. And if you are, cool. Like that, that might be the case for you. I think the problem too is when we start to compare to one another, just about like how much food we need. I know I went through this like in um, high school and that sort of thing. I'm a twin sister. Well, I am a twin. I have a twin sister. And so we're always comparing and I just found I needed way more food than her. And so that was really hard for me because it's like how we're the same person. Why do we have different needs? Mm -hmm. But I should have looked at that and recognized, right, we do have different needs. We, I mean, I have like five inches on her. I'm just like bigger bodied. Like it it all depends, right? So just start listening to your body. If it helps keeping a food journal, whether you want to write it down, there's great apps for it. I think the one I have is called U U eight as in Y O U A T E. Keep Mm -hmm. track of it. And you're going to learn a lot about yourself and what your body needs to thrive. How do you know if you should be eating intuitively or if you should try to ignore it? So I would say like, so in in that case, I would say pay attention to how food makes you feel. So, I mean, there's going to be times where you're going to be like, Hey, I really want a burger, but like would maybe a piece of lean meat do the trick? Because maybe you don't feel awesome after eating a burger and maybe you're just craving some like lean protein because you haven't had any all day, right? Your cravings actually represent nutrient deficiencies. So typically we can understand a lot of what our body needs simply by our cravings. Now, there are going to be times, and so I should say there's also like physical cravings and emotional cravings. There's going to be times when you emotionally crave chips. And I would say, you know what? Go for it. Because again, by not allowing ourselves to have that, it's going to build up sort of like a a craving life for it. And we're going to so intensely desire that food. Whereas if we like, I've, hi, I'm Rachel and I'm a holistic nutritionist that has ketchup chips in her cupboard right now. And they've been there for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And just because I haven't craved them, which, and like in the past, that would have been unheard from me because like I would like wake up and go to bed knowing there's ketchup chips in my cupboard. But right now I'm like, I know they're there if I want them, but I haven't really wanted them. So they're just there. So when we pay attention to, um, if when we, when we honor our cravings, we're going to find a way of eating that works for us. Maybe that the fact that you said that you've maintained the same weight for five years means that you are probably eating quite intuitively for the most part. Um, because you're at like, there's a thing called like your set point weight or range, which says, our body or our weight is like a thermostat and it craves to be, well, it wants to be at a certain point, right? So your body's probably at a point where it says, okay, I'm at this, I'm at a happy weight where all my bodily functions can run properly. Um, like I can, um, my hormones are balanced, things like that, right? Things are working properly. And if we were try to, if we were going to try to lose weight or if we were to gain some weight, our body would do what it needs to do in order to come back to that center point. Cause again, it's working like a thermostat. And it will do that by, say, upregulating or downregulating certain hunger hormones. Like leptin is what tells us when we're full. Ghrelin is what tells us when we're hungry. Um, and those are our hunger hormones. So those would kind of fluctuate based upon where your body wants to be. Hmm. Fascinating. Is it hard to ch- – what was that term for it again? 
Uh, set point range. Set point range. Is it hard to train to change your body's set point range? Because you might feel comfortable at a certain weight, but then after a while, you could feel comfortable twenty pounds less. Mm-hmm. So, like they say that the more you, the more you diet and kind of go and lose weight that goes below your set point range, the more your body a craves to come back, plus gain some weight. Because your body doesn't know when you're dieting or when you're deliberately restricting. It's just like, holy shit, there's a famine. I got to do what I need to do to try and protect my body and survive. So that's what that's just what it's doing. And it will every time you lose a bunch of weight, if you end up gaining the weight back, then you'll end up gaining a bit more because your body's trying to kind of protect you. And so your set point range is going to go up a bit. It's interesting. When I was uh, 19 or 20, I think I told you this, I lost about 80 pounds. And mm-hmm. I I kept, I've more or less, I mean, I gained probably 10 pounds since then, um, but I've always hovered within like a 10 pound range. And so I guess I changed my set point in a way that my body now believes that it has a different set point than it did when I was heavier. Mm. How'd you go about your weight loss? I did low carb. Hmm, interesting. And like over a long period of time or a short period of time? Uh, it was probably rapid weight loss in the first six to eight months and then um, continual continuous weight loss within a year and a half, mm-hmm. two years. And But that was a lifestyle change, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the habits kind of followed suit, right? And maybe the habits that you, the healthful habits that you implemented were more sustainable and maybe that's where your body wanted to be. Who knows, right? Right, right. I mean, God, it's so hard to figure out. It's so... I know. I, I heard someone say, like, Di- diets don't work. Changing your lifestyle is the only thing that's going to... Like, a total change of how you look at food is only what's going to help you succeed in feeling better or losing weight. Mm-hmm. Like, the word diet... The diet sh- diets just shouldn't exist. Like, stop buying the new books. Just eat the way you feel good. And now when you say keep track of how you feel after you eat something, you're not just talking about physically, you're talking emotionally. So if you do feel guilty, that goes in the, obviously it goes in the, um, in, in the notebook as well. Just Mm -hmm. truly discussing, discussing how you feel emotionally after you eat that X, Y, Z. Yeah. Although that would say that would be a bit different because that's kind of like a projection that you're putting, uh, projecting onto the food, you're saying, I feel guilty. So that's kind of something more internal, but I'm more so looking like, okay, when you have a bagel for breakfast, do you feel very energetic? And then do you crash? Like, are you so tired by 10 AM? Do you need a coffee? Do you need another snack at that time? Do you feel kind of like, do you have brain fog? I'm looking more so for that digestion, all of those sort of things. And then emotional would be, um, do you feel, like happy or kind of like at ease and peace after eating foods. There's certain foods that boost serotonin, our feel good tra- uh, feel good neurotransmitters, like chocolate, for example. Actually, I was talking to someone the other day that worded this so perfectly. Um, they're cutting out. Uh, they're doing a whole thirty right now, mm-hmm. and they said like they just miss chocolate because chocolate just like like coats your worries away. I'm like mm. that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> like I, I totally feel that. Um, that effect. But again, we want to recognize when we're using food as a crutch versus when we're using it for fuel and pleasure. Rachel, it's so great talking to you. Um, now you're, you're, you, you work out of Toronto. Do you do anything online by chance? I'm curious. 
I do, yeah. So I consult online. So I see clients through um, Skype, FaceTime, or over the phone. So I do like initial consultations. I'm I'm in the works of rolling out a program, but right now I'm uh, like an online program that can again be offered to the to the masses. But right now I'm just working like one on one with individuals to find out what is it that people really need and um, getting a lot of feedback from them, and of course just um, helping them when they're on their journey and learning from that. So I do that. I have the kombucha workshops. Yeah, awesome. I'm online. I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram is Rachel M. Melinda. There's right. a middle initial in there. Rachel M. Melinda. Um, great. Well, can't wait to have you back on the show. It would be interesting to hear what women are coming to you and over and over asking about. I'm interested mm-hmm. to know that. Totally. Okay. See you in three months. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> If you're loving this episode, please give a little shout out ski on Instagram. The handle is at mindful mostly. And I love seeing what you're doing when you're listening. So hook us up in your Instagram story so I can see it. And I'll definitely share that. I share all of them and like DM me, hit me up, write those messages. Keep them coming. I want to hear from you guys. Okay. It is time for the soul nugget. Here it is. Okay. I want to see what happens if I don't give up. And this one, be stronger than your excuse. Damn. Hey, that's it. I'll catch you next week on the show when we have mindset coach Catherine Farkerson here to talk about imposter syndrome. We're going to help you get over it. I'll talk to you next week on Mindful Mostly.